1: Former NFL quarterback turned ESPN analyst, you know him, it's Dan Orlovsky. He took a deep dive into Lamar Jackson's week one film and in a clip that went viral on Raven's Twitter, Bobby.
2: Yeah, and Sarah, Orlovsky's observations centered around a few different things. Lamar's timing, footwork, and just overall operation in the pocket. He even gave a surprising prediction timeline for how long it might take for number eight, to truly feel comfortable in Todd Munkin's new
1: scheme. Now it's going to be fun to dig into that. I am Sarah Ellison alongside the Bobby Trosset. It is Friday, September 15th, and this is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault.
2: Now, Sarah, we have new numbers that show just how fast Zay Flowers was clocked at during his NFL debut last weekend, and spoiler alert, it stacks up pretty darn well against competition across the league.
1: Plus, AFC North divisional news and really just phenomenal insight from former NFL player Brian Baldinger. He goes into Roquan Smith's film study and on-field execution. We've also, there's so much. Todd Munkin has gold, gold clips. OBJ, a weird question thrown at him. Bobby, we got so much in this episode.
2: Uh, as usual, we have all that and more <laughs> coming up. Thanks for waking up with the Morning Vault, where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. Sarah, it's obviously in season now, which means the content that we scroll through and sift through on a daily basis as we produce this daily show goes to the roof. So I was doing what we typically do on weekdays, midday, just kind of hopping on YouTube and seeing what kind of segments are out there, what has gone viral, who's saying what about the Ravens. And Dan Orlovsky is a former NFL quarterback, former UConn quarterback, somebody who has made an incredible transition to media, is very well respected around the industry, especially for what he does, I would say explaining football in layman's terms for the masses, for all of ESPN's audience to consume. I found it to be really helpful to watch and listen to him break down several plays that he watched from the week one game in Lamar Jackson's case. And he specifically, like I mentioned in the intro, is referring to, and by the way, it's very clear that Lamar has a learning curve. He should have a learning curve. It's a new scheme. It's a new offensive coordinator. And in a lot of ways, he's dealing with new personnel. And he's definitely going to be dealing with new personnel on the offensive line come Sunday when he's likely working with Sam Mustafer at center and Patrick McCary will pr- be protecting his blind spot in all likelihood. Anyway, we'll react to it on the other side. But here's Dan Orlovsky talking about a number of things operationally about Lamar in the pocket against the Texans.
3: And Lamar has got to get back to and to the point where he's trusting the timing of an offense. Mm-hmm. Early on in that football game his feet weren't married to things so the bottom of the screen he's looking down towards the tight end and the out route. But they're not even ready to get into their route concepts. So he goes backside and then front side and now those guys are available but he was even remotely close timed up with it when it comes to that. And this is called Slant, spot, swing screen, from San Francisco, motion goes, the defender follows, it's man coverage. The only place to throw this ball is the slant, Who Odell wins. Look at his feet, guys. He's still getting into the second step of his drop. He's not ready to throw that slant. That play stinks versus man coverage unless you throw the slant and he runs around and throws the football away. So. I think it's one of those things where as the game got going on and he gets this bunch concept, Zay Flowers does the shallow cross in return. The, the the drop has got to be one through three ball out and he does it there and look what happens when the the timing of the pass game, certainly underneath, was a little bit more married. The second half was a lot better than the first half. Mm-hmm. I just think it's gonna like people with the question was is it gonna work? He's got to get back to trusting, mm. trusting the timing of yep. a pass game when it comes to how important his feet are, and Hawk knows this, mm. with the, the pass concept and or the route. Yep. Mm.
4: I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated. I know I'm supposed to say nothing, but I don't give a damn. Dan, <laughs> how long do you think this is going to take, bro? Like yeah. we in the regular season. How yeah. long do you think before that can come to fruition?
3: Marcus, I think it's going to take probably four to six weeks of really feeling really good about it. Because until, like the, the, the first clip, Marcus, he's gotta have a little bit slower feet to kind of marry that pass concept. The ball would come out because he's looking the right way. The slant to Odell, he's getting that versus press man. He's gotta know that the ball, when Odell wins, Oh, Odell, I thought you were going to take a little longer and maybe widen him. You mm. win now. He's got to get and have the ball ready to come out of his hands now. I just think he's got to get in game reps with that. Remember, no preseason.
1: All right. Well, first of all, I thought it was excellent. I thought it was excellent analysis. I think, and I could be wrong, I think he did what maybe Vinny, when we kind of went after him, I did anyway, kind of, well, after him is is not the right term. I pushed back on him because I I have a feeling it's what Vinny was trying to say, but then somehow like absolved the offensive line and made it, at least in the clip that we listened to, made it sound like it was a problem all game. What I like from Dan is he gave context around it. He made it clear those issues were in the beginning of the game. So the very first clip we just saw, apologies to the um, audio-only audience, but um, where you have to go one, two, three, and then hit. Well, on that one, he was early. People were making it sound like Lamar was holding it too long. Well, he got there quicker than OBJ was there. So, And by the way, that was the third play of the game on the first drive. It was There was only two to announce the entire game. And the first drive was one of them. Okay, so yeah, that was that was his very first drive with this offense in a game like scenario. He hasn't played since November, and it's a new offense. That's going to be okay on the third play of the game. Then the second one he showed that one was just the the second play of the second quarter. By the way, he said he threw it away. It was actually OBJ drew the pass interference, so the Ravens actually got yardage on it. So. Then what I liked that what Dan did is he showed a third one where it said, but he got better in the, in the rest of the game. And then he showed how it worked that The sinking worked with Zay. He seems to be on the same page with Zay, right? And it was one, two, three, boom. And then Zay, um, gets a, a ton of yardage. I think it was like, I don't, I can't remember like 19 or something on that play. So I liked what Dan did is he was able to give more context whereas as Vinny felt like he was attacking Lamar. um, So so I I loved all that and here's the second thing he says it'll take you know four to six weeks Maybe that's true. Here's here's what I do know and he actually said this in another segment in in get up He has no doubt and I have no doubt This is gonna start clicking and bobby when you're this out of sync And you're putting up 25 points you got to be feeling pretty good. And by the way, one other point, one of the reasons why it got better. It's not the only reason part of it is just sure. The footwork of Lamar and, and timing with his receivers, but also part of it is the offensive line got better in the second half. And I felt like Todd Munkin made adjustments to get him more protection using patrick ricard more so that all affects each other again i don't want to put it all in lamar and i don't want to put it all on the offensive line or the receivers it's all this machine that has to work together all these cogs of a will that has to work together and so but when lamar was getting pressure wide right away that might have been why he was, his footwork was faster. Boom, boom, boom. I'm ready to throw. Oh, the wide receiver isn't ready yet. You know, it could be that he's nervous about, you know, the pressure he's getting. And so when the offensive line was able to protect him, then he was maybe able to slow down a little bit more. Um, and it could be vice versa. The offensive line is waiting for him to do something. I mean, it's all, it all has to work together. But I thought it was excellent the way uh, Dan Orlovsky put it all together.
2: That pressure could be coming again. By the way, on Sunday, right? Since he's defensive front is no joke, and certainly has given you know the Ravens fits at times. So I, I'm with you. I thought Dan was exceptional. Am I lagging right now? By the way,
1: uh, uh, yeah, a little bit. we're we're, we're all right though. I guess <laughs> you're oh, having a day. Gracious. You're having a technology day. I feel for you. I know that you're like trying something new. I know your studio. Is down. You've been in touch with, you know, Xfinity, all of that. Like I know you're, you're like trying your best to like find a workaround.
2: I, I owe Cole Jackson, our guy, an apology because we did a little live stream at noon on Thursday, and and I just my my connectivity literally gave out. So next thing you know, Cole's on an island on my channel alone <laughs> as the guest. I'm <laughs> like, I'm so sorry, dude. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I think some people mistake. I put up a video about this earlier on Thursday as well, and I, I think. Some folks mistakenly thought that I was sort of using it as surprise, surprise, something to Barry Lamar when really actually my biggest takeaway from the segment and learning from Dan, you know, about these passing concepts and the, and the footwork and the timing and the cadence is actually Sarah, that what you just kind of piggybacking off what you just said, they still put up 25 points. Yeah. It's a lesser opponent. I don't think we're going to see very much from Houston this year. I don't think they're going to be playing deep into January, but if the Ravens are doing that on week one, without any starters, for the most part, getting preseason, no series, Lamar haven't played in, not having played in what, November or December of last year, that's actually a positive thing that there's area for growth. And so now he's going to be hopefully taking the Roquan angle and and dissecting himself in the film room with Todd and his offensive staff so that he can make these adjustments accordingly between now and Sunday and so on and so forth. So it might take 4 to 6 weeks, but dang it, if they're putting up wins, then they c- he can afford to have that kind of time uh, over the course of the, you know, the next couple months cuz that's what 4 to 6 weeks would be. So, um, great stuff from Dan.
1: Well, and I think that so um, Todd Munkin took podium today, OBJ spoke with the media in the locker room, and I think they complimented what Dan Orlovsky just said is specifically about the timing. Here's OBJ.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like we had a good first sloppy game and you still put up 25 points, you know? So um, the bad thing is there was a lot of mistakes, a lot of miscommunications, a lot of those things. The good news is there's room for improvement. Um, that's just how you have to look at it. I think this week was a lot better week as far as being locked in with each other and on the assignments. And you just got to know, you um, know, the sky's the limit with that and we'll go as far as we want to go. So I didn't feel like it was a much better week. Um, Rome, Rome wasn't built in a day and, um, just got to continue to get better.
1: That video there courtesy of Jonah Schaefer of the Baltimore banner. Um, so yeah, Rome wasn't built in the day and, and Todd Munkin also, he used the word drag probably like four times during his press conference. That was kind of his word of the day to describe the offense.
5: It's a work in progress. The best thing we have is another opportunity to correct it, fix the things that are controllable. What's controllable? Um, The things we do every day in practice, the things we design that give our players a chance um, so we don't have the drag. There's too much drag, you know, for us to score what we scored and yet play the way we not like I think we're capable of. So I anticipate anticipate we'll play a lot better.
1: Yeah. So I, uh, that question was in response. I believe it was Jamison Hensley who asked you, it said he, he asked specifically about the passing timing. And then he's like, he's like, was the passing timing off to kind of compliment what Dan Orlovsky said. And he's like, well, we were just off. And he was like, he wasn't like, he was like basically conceding. Yes. The passing timing was off, but we, as an offense, it wasn't just in the passing game. He felt like they were off. This is probably my favorite quote <laughs> of the press conference, he was talking about how they're trying to fix it and how, you know, the, the goal is to like each week get a little bit better. Right. And so maybe this, again, goes back to this four to six week thing. Rome's not built in a day. So he's he's like, I hate looking back, but you have to do it. And here's why
5: it's a work in progress. The best thing we have is another opportunity. To- Wrong one. Here it is. Sorry. The only reason you look back is to correct that's what you do the reason i'm looking back is we don't want it to look like that they don't look back to feel sorry for yourself you look back and say that has to be fixed that has to be better that has to be better that's what the word coordinator means it means fix it <laughs> sorry
2: <laughs> <laughs> and you had that the energy all right
1: oh no, shoot of course i did well actually i think on that one i might have had it at 1.25 i'm so sorry I'm, i should be banned from grabbing clips i should be banned from this uh, but I case. love his energy
2: well, in that in that clip, though, I think it made it funnier because it matched up perfectly with the message that he was trying to get across. You know it's up to me. like <laughs> this is what we're doing i'm a I'm a meticulous fixer. Here we go. you know, like, <laughs> <sighs>
1: Yeah. But I just, I, I love his energy. Some people thought he was prickly. And actually, if you watch the whole thing, he wasn't, he was in a great mood and he was dissecting stuff, but he speaks passionately. And I think he's aware that passion, I'm the exact same way. Passion can be mistaken for anger oftentimes. So I think he was just passionate. He's like, I got to fix it. And he must've said four or five times. Cause he kept talking about how they were dragging and different things. Uh, we could have done a cut up of him saying, but especially me, but especially me, but especially me, I have to get better. Like he kept pointing to himself. And then that's why he's like on that one. He's like, that's what coordinator means. It means fix it, you know, even though that's not what it means, but that's what it means to him. And that's perfect. Like, it's just such good energy. Uh, and then finally, <laughs> Bobby, this one, I won't even set up. This just speaks for you, itself. OBJ
5: called the offense really an undercooked appetizer. Is that something? What was it called? undercooked
3: appetizer. How do you like that phrase? Talking about the wide receivers. So. Receiver. He said
5: the whiteouts were an undercooked appetizer
3: Last week. Yeah. You their production mean the game in terms of yeah. their, yeah. their, yeah. their performance
5: Was an undercooked appetizer. You haven't heard that before? Absolutely not. First of all, he must, he must order a hell of a lot more like, like it's it's hard to have potato skins under, you know, undercooked, right? Like fries with bacon on it. He must have some really exquisite appetizers, right, to be able to judge the difference. I don't know. Whatever that is. I mean, the bottom line is we all can play better. Hey, okay. I was an undercooked appetizer. All right. Screw it. Ah.
1: Uh, all right. Screw it. I'm an undercooked appetizer. <laughs> that
2: is so good. He he, like is putting so much effort into trying to figure out what she's talking about, right? And, and then like gives such a genuine answer. Exquisite. Exquisite. Yeah. yeah. You're
1: right. Well, it He's got is great like. Energy. Yeah. I mean, but, but what, what, I guess his point is, is like, what kind of appetizers do you have to like, like whatever we don't need to analyze this. It was a funny quote. That's it. (laughs) Let's move on to the injury news, Bobby.
2: (laughs) Amazing. All right. Here's the way things look. And again, not going to spend too much time on this because it looks strikingly similar to how it did a day ago. So for the second straight day, Ronnie Linderbaum, Marcus, and Marlon were all DNPs, did not practice. They're dealing with their respective setbacks. Out of the four of them, you'd expect Marlon to maybe be available first and foremost in the aftermath of that foot procedure that he had last month, but we'll see. In terms of Mark Andrews, he was limited uh, back-to-back days, Wednesday and Thursday. He did practice, but he was asked a little bit about his status going into Sunday, and he had this decision.
4: Yeah, yeah you know, just uh, continuing... Uh, to get better day by day. You know, it's kind of similar to last week, but um, you know, I think we've got a good plan and I'm excited for our offensive game plan and what we're going
2: to do. Uh, we have a big game this week, so um, all eyes on Cincinnati. Well, having caught up with Kelsey Conway in our official preview episode ahead of the Bengals-Ravens game, I sure hope he, he does have a chance to go here, Sarah, because Kelsey kind of made it seem like that could be a vulnerable spot, the middle part of Cincy's defense, specifically at the linebacker position maybe an opportunity for Mark to eat where he's often eaten before.
1: Oh, man. I so want to see the offense with him in it. I want to see the passing attack with him in it. I want to see him and OBJ and Bate. Oh, man. Oh, I hope he's doing okay. But I'm just nervous. It's just, I would like to see him We won't have another show um, before the game after this, but Friday afternoon, I would love to see him as a full participant. I mean, oftentimes when you're banged up, you don't want to be a full participant Wednesdays and Thursdays. So I'm just waiting to see if Friday, if he is. Now, to kind (laughs) of wrap up the injury segment, this was a question. (laughs) I'm not going to go too hard on him, but this was an interesting question. Apparently, I I didn't quite realize this, that, OBJ, his injuries have come against the Bengals. Uh, so this was a question from Jameson Hensley to OBJ in the locker room. The last two
3: times you've gone against the Bengals uh, has resulted in injury. I don't know.
4: Are
0: you superstitious about things like that? <laughs> nah, but, you know, I would. It's crazy you bring it up. But um, uh, last, yeah, you're right. It resulted in injury. So one in injury and one in the Super Bowl. So. You know, I'm good with that. He didn't like that question. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, it is it is kind of weird. It's like this man was, literally had tears coming down his cheeks. Returning to the game after 500 plus days, it's meant so much to him. And your question essentially is, are you afraid you're going to get injured? Like, what are you supposed to say to that? <laughs> like, you've got last time, two times you played him, you got hurt. And they were serious. And are you afraid because you're going against them? Like, I don't, that's like, that's a fine note to put in a story, but to ask it, like, what is he supposed to say?
2: Yeah, clearly you could see the facial expression change there when he realized what he was asking. And then at the end, almost gave him like a little not too friendly wink, you know, there at the end. So (laughs) I, to me, you know, I kind of going back and forth on that. Cause I feel like there's a way to ask it. I just don't know if that was it. I don't know if superstitious yeah. is the right word. You know, it's, it's more like, ah, you gotta be so careful with that though. I feel like it, that has to be done in one-on-one time, not in front of cameras. You know what I mean? Like, right.
1: And maybe like you're speaking about the injuries, you know what I mean? And like, you kind of lead up to it. Um. I, I Yeah, I don't know. I, I personally, wh- whatever. Everybody asks their own questions. I. I don't think I would have asked it. Like, cause, cause it's like, w- what do you expect him to say?
2: I could see why and, he it, was perturbed. It, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Unless that's like a, an editor being like, "Hey, let's go get this story," and then you're like, "Oh crap, here I go. I gotta go get a quote on." on this because OBJ and his injuries are a story and then you're returning to the site or whatever. So maybe he was being pushed by somebody at ESPN and just couldn't find a good way to ask it. But yeah, I thought, I thought OBJ handled it well, well though. So, um, shift what are we set? You got on, what's that?
2: I said, let's shift gears to his teammate. Cause I think you're going to like the yeah. statistic right here. Zay flowers. He recorded the fastest speed for a Ravens player on week one, 18.2 miles an hour he was clocked at. He also averaged three and a half yards of separation in each route he ran on Sunday. Now, earlier this week, we showed you the alpha chart. You found that, and Zay was on his own island, essentially, compared to week one wide receivers that ran at least 25 routes. But that average that I just shared with you, three and a half yards of separation. Uh, Yeah, that was better than names like Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Jalen Waddell, Debo Samuel. Like, this guy's not only producing so far in his early career, Sarah, but statistically, these metrics are through the roof. And this is exactly what you thought of him, how highly everybody thought of him coming out of BC as a freak athlete, as somebody who... Not only can make you miss laterally, but straight line speed as well. Uh, you know, a nice polished route runner, a good pair of hands. Going to kill you with yak yards if he gets a chance to. Very confident. Not afraid to speak what's on his mind. Not a huge trash talker, as he's mentioned. But man, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch this kid.
1: Innate confidence. Uh, this is one of our things with our conversation with Kelsey. And it kind of goes back to what you had mentioned earlier. About her looking for the matchup with with Mark Andrews and the Bengals linebackers and you know, hoping to keep him in coverage. So, but building off that, the reason why she even brought that up is she went to um, I can't remember, did, did she ask the Bengals defensive coordinator? She asked like somebody in, in the coaching staff. I gotta go back and, and re-listen to it, but she asked somebody over there, like, are you now? you know, going to be keyed in on Zay flowers based off of how much the Ravens fed him in week one. And the coordinator or coach uh, was like, uh, no, <laughs> you know, and the way he said it, he said, number one, we're worried about Lamar's legs. Number two, we're worried about a security blanket, which is Mark Andrews. And then after that, then they'd be looking for Zay flowers, which, Hey, I get it. Like I get that. But what's nice is sweet. Keep doing that. And, and, and get it to the point where you can't worry about Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers with 3.5-yard separation, and you're worried about Mark Andrews during while that's happening. And I get why you're worried about Mark Andrews, but holy moly, will that open things up, which will eventually force somebody to be like, all right, we got to start, go stop Zay, which will just open things up for Mark or somebody else. So that's why I so badly want to see him on the field together.
2: So most of us can probably agree. It's just straight up more fun to be there for live Ravens football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official resale ticket marketplace of the Ravens, Ticketmaster has a wide selection of fully verified resale tickets. Their interactive seat map gives you 360 degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Plus, if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. So do yourself a favor and find verified resale tickets today by visiting Ticketmaster.com forward
0: slash Ravens. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: Yeah, and Munkin was asked about Zay on Thursday, and he said, you know, just how, because of, the the question was centered around how heavily involved he was in the game plan, and and Todd kind of joked with a smirk and said, kind of worked out that way, didn't it? Sometimes the ball finds players, sometimes the calls go that way. Well, I'll tell you what, if I'm Lamar Jackson, and I'm not only seeing how open he is consistently, but then I see this statistic that we just mentioned, that degree of separation on average, I'm going to be more or I'm going to be more likely to be looking for him regardless of whether or not he's the first read or not depending on how a play goes like that's how there's going to be a trust level formed between the two of them and it seems as if it's already there's already a layer of trust there coming off week 1 and the time that they spent together this off season in South Florida
1: yeah and to your point like monkin said that there was like a They screwed something up. I don't know if they had a misalignment or a miscommunication or whatever. And he's like, it became a bubble screen that, or a bubble that Lamar threw to him and then it worked. And he's like, but I didn't call that, you know, but what is that already saying about what's in Lamar's mind? Oh, I have another security blanket. You know what I mean? If things are falling apart and he can find Zay and Zay can go make positive yardage, that's another receiver that it's like holy moly by week one with a rookie out of Boston College. I trust that guy when things are falling apart. That's, that's a great sign.
2: Some AFC North news here before we get to quick hits. Steelers perennial Pro Bowl defensive lineman Cam Hayward. it's given the Ravens fits over the years. He's having surgery to repair his groin. That was on Thursday in Pittsburgh, according to NFL Network. He's expected to miss about eight weeks but will be back midway through this season. He suffered that injury on Sunday, week one. So just something to look out for when the first time the Ravens play Pittsburgh coming up in a few short weeks. Let's begin quick hits with this. Brian Baldinger is so good at his hashtag Baldy breakdowns. And Roquan was featured this week. And what I loved about it was that Baldy does a great job at providing insight on some of the tendencies that Roquan picks up on, solely due to the film study that he had done. Now that some of that was picked up in Ravens Wired. Remember, we already spoke about his little exchange with Jadavian Clowney on the bench after sacking C.J. Stroud. He just knew what he was going to do before he ended up doing it. But I think Baldy shows you again. It's it's not just that play sacking C.J. That's in here, but there's a lot more th- the game within the game that Roe is just so elite that
4: Ravens defense, I can't take my eyes off number zero, real point. Your zone drop right here, all right? Just reading the eyes of the quarterback. Quarterback dumps it off, checks it down. Who's there to tackle? All right, Dalton Schultz goes down. Then you run this option here, right here, right? You gotta respect it. Now, where's the ball? Oh, CJ's got it. Down, okay? Hard. All right, here he is right in the middle. This is fourth and one. Fourth and one right here. Like, this is game-changing stuff. He gives the ball back to the offense. Watch the lateral speed. Watch the lateral quick as he goes and meets Damien Pierce right there. No gain. You know what happens? Lamar, you take over. You take the ball, here we go. Like, his movement is just so fast. Watch him, his lateral speed is as fast as most people run straight ahead. Lateral speed is ridiculous. It shows up over and over again. Like, you watch him right here, this is a delayed blitz. You got a hat on a hat right here. Now, here comes the speed. Bam. CJ Stroud didn't have time to think. Down he goes. All right, 11-yard sack. Then you get this right here. Like this short area quickness, I don't even know how you test that. Roquan makes everybody better on the Ravens.
1: Bobby, I will also say this. I'm seeing more and more in the fan base. You hate to do it, but I kind of don't anymore. Uh, At least I'm becoming more comfortable. Just the comparisons to Ray Lewis. When you talk about sideline to sideline speed, Ray could go, I, Ray could track you down sideline to sideline. You know, he was talking about his lateral speed. Then when you watch them in wired, uh, yeah, Roquan doesn't give the like, the rah-rah speeches, but the way he commands things on the sideline, the way he would like teach people, the way he gets everybody in the, in the right spot, the way he says, Hey, when I give a call, you're just staring at me. Can you give me some sort of sign that you got it? Can you give me a sign that you're talking to the next person? I mean, he just, he's an all, he's just so good. That was, and that was such a good cut up to see it back to back to back to back. Yeah.
2: He's a true alpha and he's constantly lurking. Right, he's just constantly lurking and and he's waiting for his prey, and then he just pounces. Like Baldy does such a good job of showing how he's reading certain plays and not acting too quickly or prematurely. Like he's just, his timing is so impressive, especially when he's in the tr- when he dives into the trenches too, and he's bouncing off guys and somehow still gets back to these backs and these these quarterbacks who are probably quicker than him, maybe not. <laughs> he's he's. He's making me think otherwise about that. But anyway, Joe Burrow, according to this statistic here, has had his toughest games as a pro, I guess, with the Ravens, or at least some of the toughest games, huh?
1: Well, it was – so this is – so it's stats from um, next-gen stats, but Jonah Schaefer kind of pulled them all together and put it together in this nice chart for the Baltimore banner. Basically, this was – Yeah, all of 2022, which was a really good year for Joe Burrow. Um, So this is the EPA per dropback, which is like um, your expected points per per dropback. So it's like based on what's going, the situation and all sorts of things in there, that's what these models expect you to do. And so um, you see some pretty amazing games, but then um three of his worst is highlighted in purple there and why is that because it's the three games against the ravens and bobby i was actually listening to um i listened to joe burrow's uh press conference on wednesday and he was asked what the ravens do well and you know you you, nobody's trying to give any fodder so he lists off quite a few things but one that really stood out to me is he said you will get pressure in ways that you've never seen on film before okay so when you ever ask do coordinators save stuff (laughs) Yeah, there is no way that, like, after all these times that the Ravens have played the Bengals, that it's like that they're not saving stuff specifically for him. And that is absolutely what Mike McDonald and this front seven is going to have to do again. You're without Marcus Williams. You're without Marlon Humphrey. I hope that Mike McDonald goes into his bag, and I need Roquan Smith all over Joe Burrow, I need PQ all over his former teammate. I need these offensive um, outside linebackers. No slippery stuff. You get back there, you bring him down. Because with those three wide receivers that the Bengals have, with Joe Burrow and how angry they're going to be, a major key to this game is to come in with some nice pressures that Joe is just going to hopefully do what we just saw in those charts and give him three of his one of his worst performances of the season. That's what you hope for.
2: That's a great sign of a good rivalry, too. When an elite quarterback like Joe's worst games have come against the rival that's become the best in the AFC North, right? I think that's yeah. That's pretty much universally agreed upon at this point. Um, Pittsburgh and Baltimore will always be respected and, and storied and, and historical. But right now, for my money, it's the Ravens and Bengals, and it's going to be that way for the foreseeable future. All right, partner, another busy week down the books. It's crazy how quickly NFL weeks can go because you got press conferences from Harbs on Monday. You got Tuesday off. That's when we like breathe. Wednesdays are all the key players, signature players. Thursdays are coordinators. Fridays typically like secondary guys. You you throw in a preview episode there. You throw in Roquan. It's unreal how how quickly this week just flew.
1: We have done, I believe seven or eight episodes this week. It's, it's bananas. It is bananas. And I know you got stuff going on in your personal show. I I still is from Harbs. It's Harbs. He says it all the time. The days are long, but the, the years are short. Like it feels like we've done so much in one week that it's like, but at the same time, it just kind of flew by. So we've, we've been grinding for sure, putting out a ton of content and here we go. Week two, this is what we're all waiting for.
2: That's the funny part. It's like 14, 15 hour days over here. And yet I'm like, wow, the week really flew. You know, most people would be like, are you freaking kidding me? But that's just because we love what we do. And we also understand that this is what we work for this, this five month period, you know? So anyway, lots to soak in. Obviously you got our official game preview episode for the Ravens and Bengals with Cincinnati Inquirer and former Ravens intern, Kelsey Conway. That's available in the archives. You can go all the way back to Monday and check out our first exclusive conversation with Roquan Smith, powered by Cybertech, if you haven't already done so, and then everything in between. I was just checking some of the audio-only things. We could definitely use some more ratings and reviews, especially on Apple. So if you're some of the audio-only people out there and you haven't done that, uh, and you can take a minute or two to do. That'd be great. Be super helpful for us on the back end. In the meantime, you can reach out as always via email at BaltimoreRavensVault at gmail dot com. Sarah can be found on Twitter at SG Ellison. Myself at Bobby Baltimore. I will next be in action Sunday at twelve noon for a pregame show. See C- the CEO of Snapback Sports and a huge Ravens fan, Jack Settleman, who does. A podcast now with Marlon Humphrey is going to be joining me for that conversation, which I'm looking forward to. And then you and I will be post-gaming within the hour after Sunday finishes up, after the press conference is finished. We always like to come in most prepared so that it's the most fresh content that we can possibly provide. So with that, and for my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this Friday Morning Vault edition Thanks for being with us. We'll catch you on Sunday. Week two's on deck.